Have you ever been with a toddler who needs a nap? What about a toddler who has skipped a nap, protested a nap? Do you think this illustration is grounded in my own reality at all? <laughs> it's been interesting in the Sanders household. You with a, if you're with a toddler who is clearly overtired, uh, you can tell things are going awry, right? It makes you yourself quickly feel like you need a nap. Yeah, a toddler who misses a nap lets you know it. They are worn out. They're stressed out. Whatever tiny patience they're trying to learn is completely gone. And they're more cranky, more selfish. They're quicker to anger, quicker to break down and cry, quicker to make you cry over the smallest of things. And we also know it's not exclusive to a toddler who misses a nap. But indeed, this can describe all of us when we are not well rested. Because humans were created to have a regular and healthy rest. And chances are most of us are not well rested. We're in the midst of our summer series called Summer Break, which is a bit of a misleading title because we're not on a break at all. We're actually doing some hard soul work trying to recapture this God-centered rest that he promises. The biblical call to yoke ourselves to Jesus who promises our weary souls rest. And it is only by yoking ourselves to him that we may experience freedom from the tyranny of our hyper-busy and our overstuffed lives. And today we're beginning a multi-week focus on the Sabbath. The Sabbath is perhaps the best practice of Jesus that we have that helps us enter into his rest. And yet for Christians, it's also one of the most overlooked. For instance, if you are 40 years or older than me, okay, I'm 35, so if you're give or take 40 years older than me, you hear that word and you likely think of all the endless restrictions, right? You know what I'm talking about. No bike riding, no playing with friends, no playing cards, and absolutely no dancing. Like footloose up in here. If you're 20 years or older than me, around that give or take, or if you have certain tastes, you're likely thinking of Black Sabbath, and the song Iron Man is now stuck in your head. Anybody? You know the rest. If you're my age or younger, you likely have very little context or opinion on what the Sabbath is, other than you know you've probably heard about it in the Bible somewhere, right? Today, we begin to rediscover the Sabbath. What is it, actually? And how is it laid out for us in Scripture? Today, we're really focusing on the Old Testament. Next week, we're shifting our focus to the New Testament. But really, the purpose today is to help us start to consider what this might look like in our own lives. We're going to start in Genesis chapter 2. I invite you to turn there in your Bibles. And it's gonna, we're going to hop around through the Old Testament. I'll, I'll let you know where we're going as we go, but we're starting in Genesis 2. 
Now, as you know, the Bible begins with, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He labored for six days, creating all of this beautiful stuff, and then picking up in verse 1 of chapter 2, this is what God's true word says for us. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the hosts of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day. He made it holy, because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Rest is woven into the fabric of creation. This rhythm of work and rest, it is pre-fall. It is created and it is modeled by God himself. Six days he created, and the seventh day he finished his work. He finished his creative work on that seventh day. What did he create? He created rest. We see the reality of what rest woven into the fabric of creation. We see it in the seasons. We see it in the day and night cycle. We see it in the plants and the trees, and we know it to be true in our own lives. Have you ever tried to pull an all-nighter before? You might make it a little ways through and a little bit more ways through, but sooner or later, if you don't rest, eventually rest will come for you. Consider this uh, quote. This is from Ruth Haley Barton from her book, Embracing Rhythms of Work and Rest. I have a couple quotes from her through this. It's a highly helpful book. I definitely would recommend it to you. She writes this. Sabbath honors the necessary wisdom of dormancy. dormancy. If certain plant species, for example, do not lie dormant in the winter, they'll not bear fruit in the spring. If this continues for more than a season, the plant begins to die. If dormancy continues to be prevented, the entire species will die. A period of rest in which nutrition and fertility most readily coalesce is not simply a human psychological convenience. It is a spiritual and a biological necessity. Now, if you're like me, you often feel too busy for this type of rest, right? I don't have time to rest. I got stuff to do. And I'm not just talking like taking time off and like watching Netflix and stuff. I'm talking meaningful rest. To set aside a day where we leave all our work and labor behind. You know, the emails need catching up on. But God rested. My client's important. I need to respond right away. God rested. The yard is overgrown. God rested. I'm a people person, and I just need to be out there doing as much as I possibly can. God rested. But if I just don't put in a little more time, I'm going to fall behind. I need to get ahead. God rested. Yeah? Well, the devil doesn't take a day off. Guess what, friends? The devil loses. God, who holds the victory, rested. 
Ruth Haley Burton continues, the fact that the God of the universe, who is infinite in time, space, and energy, chose to cease usual labor on the seventh day, not because of exhaustion, like we would, but because the rhythm itself is simply good, offers a beacon of hope for us all. It is a manifestation of God's innate goodness that is oh so good for us. God did not need to rest. He chose to rest because it is good. It's in the rhythm. You and me, we need to rest. But we often choose not to. Now, in this creation account, it's quite fascinating. God blesses three things. He blesses the animals. He blesses humans. And the third thing, he blesses the Sabbath. He blesses the seventh day. That's fascinating. There's a lot we could go into on that. But we eventually have to get to lunch today, right? (laughs) Who said that? (laughs) Also, interesting, first time in all of Scripture, something is called holy. It's what? The Sabbath. It says he blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Other faith traditions will tell you that the holy can only be found in a location. You have to go to a place. You have to go to the temple. You have to go to the thin space on the mountaintop to get close to the divine. But we know that the one true God is everywhere. You're seeking the holy. It's not found in a space, but it is found in time. You want to experience the holy. You don't need to travel. You simply need to slow down enough to recognize that God is right here. And so, from the second chapter of all of Scripture, we learn that the Sabbath is created and established by God, our Creator. It's woven into the fabric of creation. It is blessed by God, and God calls it holy. And indeed, God himself rested, though he had no need to. God, being all-powerful, the one who does not grow weary or grow faint, but rather, he chose to rest because it is very good. One last fun fact about all this. Humanity's first full day of creation was a day of rest in the presence of the one true God. That's our starting point. He sets the pattern in motion. We labor six days. We rest for one. It was established and modeled by God Almighty before the fall. Before the fall. That means that both work and rest are innately good. when we tap into this rhythm, six days labor, one of rest, we have the opportunity to join in with the tempo of all creation and experience peace, joy, love, health, life. But if we fight this rhythm, if we ignore this rhythm, if we suppress this rhythm, we are fighting the very tempo of all creation. Have you ever listened to a band that had competing tempos? (laughs) And practice, maybe, right? Yeah. 
yeah, oftentimes in our band practices, we have competing tempos. It takes a lot of work to align them. But when you sit there and if the drummer's going like 100 beats per minute and the guitar player's going 70 beats a minute, it's going to sound way off. It's going to frustrate you. It's going to anger you. It's going to distract you. The same happens when we fight the tempo of all creation. We will know something is wrong. We will get worn out. We will get stressed out. We'll get burned out. And we will miss out on one of the very first gifts given to us, which is this purposeful, meaningful, and restorative rest. Look inwardly for a moment, if you will. Do some self-reflecting. Do you feel, as you're listening to this, a growing longing in your soul for this God-centered and meaningful rest? Can you feel it bubbling up within you and saying, I want that. I need that. Because you were created for this rest. We don't have time to get into it now, but read Hebrews Chapter 4, I believe, deeply complex, but profound, where it takes our heaven, heavenly journey. When we enter God's fullness of presence, they call it an eternal rest. Not because we just lay there, but because we have rest for our souls when we are aligned with our God in heaven forevermore. Lean into this longing within you as we continue through Scripture and pay attention to that longing. As St. Augustine, 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 I don't know how you say it. <laughs> I'll ask him when I get to heaven. He says this, and it's profound. Our hearts are restless till we find our rest in you. Let's continue through the Old Testament. We're going to turn to Exodus 16 for just one verse. Um, so if you don't want to stop for one verse, move on to Exodus 20, uh, where we're going after this. Sabbath, it's mentioned again in Exodus 16. God has freed his people from the tyranny of slavery in Egypt. They are wandering in the desert. They are grumbling, and God provides for them daily through manna and quail. The manna and quail, they evaporate. They go away after one day. But he says to them, on the sixth day, gather twice as much it will not spoil. It will spoil every other day if you try and store it up. But on the sixth day, store up twice as much. It will not spoil. For in 16, uh, chapter 16 of Exodus, verse 23, Moses says to the people, this is what the Lord has commanded. Tomorrow, that is the seventh day, is a day of solemn rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. They are wandering in the wilderness, and yet God provides you talk about not wanting to rest. He gave them rest when they were wandering for 40 years, that long because of their own disobedience. And yet he still provided and said, hey, on the seventh day, you make sure to rest. This is a holy Sabbath to the Lord. And then in Exodus 20, we move on to the Ten Commandments as given to Moses by God. You know the first three. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall have no idols. Do not misuse or abuse or take the Lord's name in vain. And then we get to the fourth commandment in Exodus 20, verse 8 through 11. And it says this, Remember the Sabbath day 
to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Fourth commandment tells us to keep it holy. God made it holy. We are called to keep it holy. We are the caretakers of the Sabbath. And as this picture of Sabbath is slowly coming into focus, one thing becomes abundantly clear. The Sabbath is not merely a day off. It's a day to the Lord our God. It's also not just what we do here together Sunday morning. Certainly a part of it, worship and all of that, but that's not a day. This is a portion of the day. It is a day unto the Lord your God, a day set apart to and for the Lord. It is both rest and worship intertwined. Now what's fascinating about this commandment is in one part it's length. When you read all Ten Commandments, you go through it, you see this one has an astounding amount of detail in comparison to the other nine. In fact, if you take the word count of all Ten Commandments in the original Hebrew, the Fourth Commandment, the one on Sabbath, takes up a whopping 37% of the words used for the Ten Commandments. 37! That's not one out of ten. It's not evenly distributed. That's not to say it's over and above the others. They all work together, but it's obviously highly important. Not only that, its position within the Ten Commandments is also fascinating. The first three of the Ten Commandments are all about our relationship and how we engage with God. The last six are about our relationship with our neighbor. You remember that Jesus later summed up the Ten Commandments through love the Lord your God and love your neighbor, right? And those are captured within these. The fourth commandment on the Sabbath is the bridge between our relationship with God and our relationship with our neighbor. The Sabbath helps us better connect to both. And not just that, but as we read this commandment, we find the multi, how multifaceted the Sabbath truly is. First we see it is to stop. Sabbath, the Hebrew word is Shabbat. When I say that, say Shabbat. It's a fun one to say. We have some songs we sing at home that I was taught in my Hebrew class. Shabbat Shalom. Right, Miles? Yeah, I'll teach you guys sometime. Not now. Um, <laughs> Shabbat means to cease. To stop. Good timing. Stop. Cease. All labor, all work. You stop. What else is included within this? And as we read through the description, but it is a rest. It is to rest. God rested. We will rest. And it's not purposeless rest. It's purposeful rest. It is replenishing rest. It is restorative rest. Is it just a list of rules that we have to follow and our kids can be mad at as we grow up? No. No. The Sabbath is intended to be a delight. 
a delight because it is both a command, yes, but it is also a gift. This is a gift from God that we have the opportunity to to then give back to God. Gifts from God bring delight, not burden. And it is also worship. It is a gift unto God. We give it back to God. We reorient our lives back to God. We give Him our time back. We submit to Him. We trust Him as we say, I can cease for a day. And I will trust you. I will trust you. We abide and enjoy Him. The rabbi Abraham uh, uh, Joshua Heschel has done profound work on reflecting on the Sabbath. His most famous work is called The Sabbath. It's a book about 50, 60 years ago. He writes this, The Sabbath is the greatest gift from the treasure trove of God. Isn't that delightful? Now here's what, what is also fascinating. As you know, the Ten Commandments come up again later on through text. And so now we're going to look at the next instance in Deuteronomy chapter 5. It's the fifth book of the Bible. Just turn a couple more. Deuteronomy 5, we're going to look at 12 through 15. And it's mostly the same, except it's also not. (laughs) And so let's see what's there for us um, as we prepare to to bring this all home. So Deuteronomy chapter 5, verses 12 through 15. Observe the Sabbath day, to keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your ox or your donkey or any of your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gate that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Did you notice a few differences? The first is the very first word where it goes from remember the Sabbath day to observe the Sabbath day. English majors in the house, such as myself, words make a difference. Observe is a way more active and engaged word than remember. Remember is much more passive. Observe carries with it the idea to approach with anticipation. For instance, if you observe a holiday— That's a lot different than if you remember a holiday. Other difference. He gives clarification that, yes, indeed, your servants are to also rest. That's important. We'll talk about that in a minute. Because he goes on to say, remember, you were slaves. Remember the tyranny of those who oppressed you. Remember their greed? Remember they made you work endlessly? Remember you didn't get time off under their rule? In Deuteronomy, you see, Moses is giving this. He is sharing the Ten Commandments 
with God's people before they enter the promised land. About 40 years have passed. This is the first generation of people who grew up in freedom since the Exodus. But, of course, Moses wants to remind them, remember who you were and remember those that oppressed you and remember who freed you. The Sabbath is so much more than just rest and replenishment. It is also to remember who we are and whose we are. And it's not just that that we learn from this little addition here. It's what Walter Brueggemann calls a Sabbath is an act of resistance. It's to say enough to combat the human tendency to do more, acquire more, to be more. It's to say enough to accept that we are indeed finite and to trust the one who is infinite. Last quote here from Ruth Haley Barton. When we think of Sabbath only in terms of rest and replenishment, we're selling it short. In Jewish tradition, Sabbath contains a strong element of resistance to the prevailing culture and to the gods within that culture, as allegiance is proclaimed to the God who is our God. The practice of Sabbath-keeping was and is an act of resistance against a culture that brainwashes us into thinking that good things come only through unceasing determination, tireless human effort, and always being plugged in. And we also resist the internal drivenness, self-determination, and individualism that has been planted and cultivated in us all. Our resistance is solidified as one day a week we take ourselves out of the soupy mess this potent combination has us swimming in. Sabbath is, first and foremost, about the freedom to live our lives on God's terms for us rather than living in bondage to anyone, anything, or any culture. We said in the very first week of this series, the ways of Jesus are at complete odds with the way of this world. And we are followers not of this world, but of Jesus. We will observe the Sabbath. He says, remember that you were slaves, but God has freed you. So live into the freedom that he has given you. You want to cease the onslaught of our over-busy and our, our exhausted world? Then receive the gift of the Sabbath and find the rest of Jesus your soul craves. Do you feel the longing growing? We remember Jesus' invitation. Come to me. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle. I am humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Sabbath is a slice of heaven on this side of eternity. And where, where we align our hearts, where we can align our schedules, where we can align our priorities, and we can align our time to the rhythms of God, to join the tempo of our hearts with the built-in rhythms of all creation, 
Do you crave this rest? Do you long for this rest? Are you ready for a better way? Then remember the Sabbath. Observe the Sabbath. Slow down and rest in the presence of God and you will find rest for your souls. Now as we close, next week we will focus on how to engage with this practice. So you're going to want to come back. (laughs) We'll talk about what does this even look like in 2023. What does it look like with young kids? Because we're learning it's hard. (laughs) And we'll also look at the New Testament to look at Jesus. Because you might have the question throughout all this, this is all great, Pastor Kevin, but isn't that just an Old Testament thing? Or isn't this just a Jewish thing? We're going to answer that next week. Plus other questions you may have, such as, is Sabbath on Saturday or Sunday? We'll answer those questions, but from now until then, here is your practice. As your longing grows, do not suppress it, but lean in. And consider these facets of Sabbath in your own life. Begin to think about how you might stop. What needs to stop in your life? to enter meaningful, rejuvenating rest. What is work for you that is? For some of you, gardening is one of the most life-giving, restorative things you can do. It connects you with our Creator God. Praise God. For others of you, like me, it's a reminder of the fall. (laughs) So for me, I would stop yard work. For you, it might be a joy for that. Consider how to rest. What helps you rest? For almost all of us, especially around my age, that means putting your phone away, putting your computers away, all of that. For many of you, it would mean buying a bathrobe and just living in that for a day. I might bring my robe to show you. Consider how you delight. (laughs) It's one way to get me to preach in a robe. Uh, (laughs) Consider how God crafted you to delight. Sabbath, it's a command, but it's also a gift from God. So how, what do you delight in? What do you delight? How can you delight? And then obviously, essential to it all is worship. How has he crafted you to most connect with him? Many of you, it might be going on a walk through the woods. Others, it might just be an increased time of silence and solitude. Others, it would be joy-filled feasts with community. Not the kind of community engagement that's a burden, but the kind that's a life-giving joy. Begin to consider how you might stop, rest, delight, and worship. Be honest, be open-handed, and be open-minded to how God might surprise you. If you live in a family, if you are married or in community in that way, you must engage in a conversation with those in your midst. This is a communal thing. You cannot Sabbath while your wife labors and toils with the kids. It's not going to work for anyone. And then finally, for all of us, pray over. Pray, pray, pray over how you might enter into this rest. What might you have to do or give up to enjoy and receive this most amazing gift from the treasure trove of God.
That's our practice for this week. I encourage you to lean in and be surprised because God is longing to meet you in that space. Let us pray. Almighty God, we thank you for your never-ending and true word that goes out and never returns to you void. We thank you that you have gifted us with these teachings on the Sabbath. And Lord, even though we may have lost the plot of what that even is, we long to reclaim it here and now, God. So through your Spirit, might you work in us to bring us the wisdom and how to engage with this practice of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that you are the God who gave this word in the very beginning in the creative account. We thank you, God, that you are the same one who gave the Ten Commandments to Moses and spoke through him later on before the promised land, that you are the God who meets us here and now longing to give us what our soul craves. So we once more submit ourselves to you, saying we need you, we love you, and we trust you. We pray this all in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. And all God's people say, Amen. Stand, let's respond to God.